Female, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. In this episode, I invited back writer and filmmaker Becky Matthews to talk about what we're calling a new age of rage. We've noticed recently that women's different portrayals of anger have been coming to the fore in both TV and film, and we wanted to explore what it means to be an angry woman on TV, what the backlashes are, how we're stereotyped, and how this new age is helping to shape anger and rage and madness in a variety of different ways, all portrayed by female characters. Just a quick note on the episode. Becky and I are going through a poster that I have on my wall featuring postcards from various different films and we start the episode talking about which of these classic films we have and haven't seen in case it doesn't make any sense. Thanks very much. Enjoy the episode. Maybe I'd throw it to I haven't seen I Rope. Know. How about that? Rope is amazing. Okay. Rebecca's my namesake, so... Yes. Um, I think there's quite a lot of them. I've never seen Shrinking Man. Battleship Potemkin is something you put yourself through. I had to look at it for... Yeah, um, I don't think I want when to When I was at, like, college. Send me an itch, no. Sunset Boulevard, no. Oh, <gasps> what is Sherbal. wrong with you? You haven't seen your close-up, Mr. DeMille. No, you must know these phrases. That's probably why I haven't seen it, because it's been so lampooned. I feel like I have seen it. Oh, no, it's really good. Uh, no, not Umbrellas of Cherbourg, but I would like to mainly because no, I haven't he was seen married that. to Agnes Varda, so I love yes. her. Yes, oh. not seen The Daily Ocean still, but I'm not a massive sci-fi fan. Uh, is that the Coach one I have rough? seen? No. no. What one's that one? Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Singing in the Rain. Don't like musicals. Yeah. Julia Jim. No. I didn't like Julia Jim. I haven't seen People it. People rave about they it. They do. I haven't seen I it. I couldn't Season enjoy it. Awesome Wells. Touch of Evil. I'm doing well on Awesome Wells. Yes. So far. Wolfman. No, never heard of it. What's that one? That's the, oh, cabinet, the cabinet of... Dr. Caligari. Yeah. It's hilarious title. I've never seen it. Dialogue yeah. for Murder. Yes. <laughs> Belle de Jort. No, but probably unlikely to be bothered to see that. High Noon, don't think It'll so. It'll probably be May- Love in the Hill Mob, maybe I've seen that. Ealing Comedy? I, I do like a bit of Ealing Comedy. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen that. Laura, I meant to see quite recently, was on uh, the iPlayer and I haven't seen I haven't seen The Third Man, so actually I'm not doing as well. No, I want to see The Third Man. You must have seen Gaslight. I actually haven't seen. You have not seen enough classic films. That's that's unfair. There's lots of classic films. Just because I haven't seen the ones on this list. Oh no, I was just gaslighting you. Oh, that's really good. I've seen. Brilliant. Actually, I only saw that. And two hundred blows. I've got. It's the only. Four hundred. But I haven't. Why did I say two hundred? Yes. Oh, I watched half of it. (laughs) I watched it half. Couldn't be bothered to watch the rest of it. I could guess the end. Um, um, no, I've got that. It's the only French film I've got on DVD, I think. Which, what, what is that, the end? Hmm? What, what's the last one on the bottom? I can't oh, see. Oh, Double Indemnity. No, uh, oh, on no, the no, end, no at the very see. end. Oh, it's an uh, Elvis one, so Jailhouse oh. Rock. No, oh, I've seen Jailhouse Rock. It's got the best number. You Again, you will have seen the parodies. Like, it's in, have you seen, um, uh, 
Guys and Dolls, I actually the, think I have The Coen Brothers with an exclamation mark in the title. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, yes. We, they parody it. Like I think Channing Tatum kind of parodies Jailhouse Rock. I think there's a couple of parodies in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all a all, It's all a march. Yeah. Well, see, I really like it, but I know some people are quite sniffy about it. In fact, that well, tonight, I was looking forward to just going home and watching the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but then my friend said, do you want to come out for my birthday drinks? And I said, yes. Netflix can wait. Netflix can wait. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> not a Coen Brothers. No, Coen definitely. Yeah, it just came on today as well. So, it's so Yeah, no, I saw I saw because I was like, we didn't get to see it at no. the film festival see the point I was like it's going to be on Netflix I didn't feel the need to kind of rush out and see it at screening when you could see things that may not get a general release yeah absolutely and we can have a whole discussion about Roma if you want after that because there's a whole thing about it being some release in some big cities but not and you should see it on the big screen but I I didn't get to see it I heard that about Roma and Ben Wheatley's um Oh yes, happy, I loved that. Happy, happy New, New Year, Colin Burstead. Yeah. He's getting a small cinema release. I reviewed that. If you're interested, did, did you? I review it? I didn't. I, oh I no, maybe so I just no. I tweeted about it. What did I review? Sorry to bother you. I'm oh, sorry to bother you. Yes, yeah, sorry. Which my I think favorite is my film, film of the year. year. Yeah, yes. Because yes. <laughs> Bill asked for a top five, and I was like, I think it's got yeah. to be. So I, nothing has made me feel nothing, like that for a long yeah. time. Actually, not even just this year. So I was um, literally I'm going to go and see today. it again when oh, it comes really? out. Oh, really? I think yes. so, because I've been raving about it to my you friends. You want to see it with other people, especially yes. halfway through, and then see what happens. I, I want to see it. <laughs> when, when, when the shit is I have to try and like curtail my reaction, <laughs> because I don't want to be like, hey, hey. I do that all the time when I'm watching something, and I'm like, I want to hint. And you're like, what do you think's going to happen? And it's like, how to ruin a movie with I know, you else. have to keep... But, yeah. So have you ever listened to... Anna, Anna Farris is unqualified. Yes, I have. Sometimes I yes. find her a bit annoying, though. So, uh, it goes up and down for me. However, mm. I love the on. way that she introduces the podcast in the middle of a conversation, which is what we're doing oh. right now, because okay. I'm recording. Oh, okay. Do you like, <laughs> do you like what I done? did there? What, you recorded me eating grapes? Yep, yeah. Mm. I might cut some of this Delicious. out. Delicious, so. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, Were you talking with your mouth full? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you, you, what have you recorded? Me listing what yeah, films I've seen? I thought it was relevant. Well, so. don't out me as not having seen films. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, like, I'm That's my gaslighting you. Yeah, Come thanks. back to me when you've seen Gaslight and then we'll talk. Right, well, okay, I can't yeah. that out. So anyway. <laughs> I'll let you have no, a cut no. before it goes up. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny where I'm just slating I mean, you. look, I'm not Karina yes. Longworth, so it's fine. Ah. Uh, Camilla. It's definitely Karina. <laughs> Stop with your gaslighting. No, it's Camilla, isn't it? It's Karina Long. Oh, no, I'm thinking of someone else. Camilla Long. Oh, it was. Camilla Long yeah, is the Times is correct, but we are definitely yeah. cutting this bit out. No, Karina yeah. is the one who does You Must Remember This. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Right. yeah, I like her. Camilla Long, Karina Longworth. Okay. Camilla Long. But right. let's not get into that. So, well, you could just, like, you know, uh, get over the, our massive microphone and punch me in the face, and that would be a <laughs> lovely introduction well, I wouldn't do that. to That's very this violent. episode, yeah. which I have decided to call, I was going to call The Age of Rage, oh, but nice. I now want to call it Volcanoes, because I read... Um, an interesting Guardian article, which I'll put in the show notes, um, that said where a writer had, I think, quoted another quote from someone which said, if if all girls knew that they had little volcanoes inside them, what would happen to the world? That is not the quote. Uh, I'll put the the actual quote. I like it, But I thought it was such a lovely um, image of us all having volcanoes inside us that we're just not letting erupt. Yeah, I do like that. Now, so... Because they bubble as well. That's yeah. the thing. They don't lie dormant. And yeah. 
And we say rage bubbles, bubbling, bubbling rage, rage, don't we? Yes, yeah. We do. The whole idea of it being a yeah a warm thing in a in a witch's pot or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you are researching about rage in terms of um, female screen writers yes and we tried to record this podcast before because we both so loved sharp objects yes and we wanted to um devote an episode of the podcast to sharp objects Mm -hmm. but i feel like maybe that time has passed which is a shame because i highly recommend everybody go and watch sharp objects if they haven't seen it definitely and also yeah it was a wee while ago and nearer the time when we'd actually watched it so i was trying to recall back every single scene yeah what i just seen is probably like a bit patchy <laughs> but your research is showing that there's a resurgence no, no resurgence says we had it in the first place that yeah. there's a first surge in showing on screen female rage yeah well it's not so much that it's the first time it's more that it's evolving like what i've been noticing is that women are kind of the two things that yeah we're seeing more angry women on screen but it's the way in which anger and rage manifests itself is completely different. It's much more nuanced. It's much there's much more context. It's not naught to sixty, explosive. Because um, what I when you you think back, think about terms that we've been lumbered with like bunny boy, that probably been mm-hmm. the most famous, mm-hmm. and, and Glenn Close has long campaigned against the way in which her character was portrayed. Obviously, famously, the ending of Fatal Attraction was changed. Mm-hmm. And that angered, you know, audiences on both sides. She said she got stick from the feminists as well as, you know, the mainstream audience. And she was sort of stuck in the middle, not agreeing with, but having no artistic control, obviously, of, of how... But that, but that's not know. the ending. Just to, like, I think we should explore that. Like, I don't actually have a problem with the phrase bunny boiler. Mm. I have the problem with the ubiquitous nature of it. Yes. Because that is what she does. No, and no one had seen a woman do something. No, absolutely. Oh, and not. it is extreme mm. and it's not an excusable act. No. It's really anchoring her into this is the bad guy right. in this film. But it, it's the fact that it's distilled. Everything about that character is distilled into that phrase. And it's what, and it makes and it's, it a woman. And it you could be a ma- male bunny boiler, no, couldn't you? Well, you, yeah, you, sh- you, you should could, be able ne- to. Have you ever heard of a man being called a bunny boiler? No, never. People who've never even seen Fatal Attraction who possibly don't even know that it comes from that use the phrase bunny boiler to describe a certain type of female behaviour yes not crazy yeah, because also crazy her character bitch. has this really like beautiful crazy curly hair yeah. I mean it was well. the 80s like, but her hair is massive yeah but it's even more 80s than most <laughs> people I do feel like that they were creating a look because mm-hmm. they also have um, is it Anne Archer who's they have Michael Douglas's wife in it yes. as well I'll have to check who that who it is. I, think I want you're to say right. Anne Archer, yeah. um, and um, she is so like uh, like tailored in comparison. She has this nice, neat hair, brunette. She's hair, always dressed in white. The good wife. Out, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, always yeah. Dresses I, in white. I've got. I have that image in my head, but I don't think I'd always realise. Yeah, yeah. So very much so. There were visual images of the good woman, the yeah. the bad woman. She stays. She stays at home yeah. with the kids and is a, a, a delight. So, what can I get you? Scotch, I've got vodka, I just like to clean them. Cut this shit, will you? Just cut it! I don't know what you're up to, but I'm going to tell you it's going to stop right now. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on until you face up to your responsibilities. What responsibilities? I'm pregnant. I'm going to have our child. Alex, that's your choice, honey. That has nothing to do with me. 
I just want to be a part of your life. Oh, this is the way you do it, huh? Showing up at my apartment? What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls. You change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. I mean, it's not just with rage. Women have been shoehorned into these archetypes as long as popular culture is... Or a culture is well, existed. I don't know, the Bible, Adam and <laughs> Eve. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. As long yeah. as any kind of text has existed. Yeah. Archetypes have existed. Yeah. But, you know, and, and gone from the bunny boy, like, you know, you had hagsploitation. I mean, Joan, um, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis's careers were revived by the hagsploitation here. Yeah, and that's and the, the whole principle of feud, yeah? whole principle uh, of feud, yeah, because yeah, it, it was when they were filming um, Baby yeah. Jane. And films that, you know, um, Joan Crawford made subsequently, she then went on to make um, Straight Jacket, in which she's an axe-wielding maniac, basically. <laughs> I mean, so it, and it's so binary. It's like, a woman goes mad, she runs around with an axe. And it's just yes. like... It's, and, and even Kathleen, like, you know, I quite enjoyed Serial Mum. It's very silly. I, you know, I enjoy that kind of she campy was John Waters. She was that. Let's go back to Body Heat. Like, I've never I'm, seen it. Oh, so. it's, it's... Rage isn't the right word, but, like, strong dynamic female emotions yeah. and she's incredibly sexy and using that power yeah. and then I think that so uh, and also you know like she she is like a tall strong woman with a deeper voice yeah <clears throat> oh, I said that <laughs> <Where> my voice, <laughs> went, voice she's a, she's like a, a very strong tall woman with a deeper voice mm-hmm. and I think that they could then you, you, you then that can be sexy husky, but then you go into serial mum and yeah. that becomes anger. So, mm. sorry, carry, carry and on. And rage, just, and it is yeah. also, it's extremes, isn't it? It's like, I mean, it's been years since I've seen serial mum, but <laughs> it's not subtle, let's be clear. Like, yeah. there's, I think, there's just a lack of subtlety, there's a lack of complexity, there's a lack of any kind of nuance about who this woman is beyond what her core emotional state is mm-hmm. and the way in which we view it and what we mean by anger because you can be angry in a quiet way and actually you know looking at Glenn Close again the wife was a perfect example of that I mean even the title made me laugh because the wife is like that cipher label that people yeah. give you know what's the character she's called she's the wife yes you know you bet you don't even know you know how how often do you watch a film where you go what was that woman called who was she what yeah. could what three facts could you tell me about the wife other yeah. than who she's married to what agency does she have on her own and so the title felt like it was a very kind of carried a lot of weight and it's the name of the novel as well but i like yeah. that idea though at least if you're drawing attention to it that's kind of the setting the scene because I still haven't seen The Wife and I really want to, but I, I know yeah, enough about I it. it. Yeah. I think that even calling the film The Wife is is a change because yeah. it's drawing attention oh, to exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, it felt very deliberate, very like, you know, it's almost like we're in on the joke. This is quite funny. And it might, you know, you could, you could read it in a different way. That was just how I read it. Um, but certainly, like, without giving too much away about the premise of the film, mm. um, she ha- she holds on to this this uh, this anger and quietly, and it manifests itself. It starts to come out, and she says so much just with her eyes and the, the old expression, and and just these throwaway remarks that she gets from these men around her. And there were moments where I wanted to scream sitting there as an audience oh, member. Oh, really? Yeah, and what is interesting, I read one review that said, I just didn't buy it, it didn't ring true, I don't believe that she would have acted this way. And was I it a man who wrote yes. the review? As soon as I saw it was a man, I burst out laughing because I thought, you don't believe it because you couldn't possibly have experienced it. Yeah. And and I thought, and that's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily his fault, but it just showed a blind spot because I yeah. thought, I'd, I'd, you know, it was interesting to read the counterpoint and it wasn't that you know that that was a completely outrageous point of view at all it's just 
it was interesting that if it had come from a female critic, I would have perhaps been more interested to explore why they yeah. thought that was. Do you think that's a continuum, though? I kind of like that because I've been noticing a lot of that. I wanted to do another episode of the podcast, and I don't know if I will, which is about men complaining how they're now being sidelined as, as the... Get as the husband so in the forthcoming kind of biopic of Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm. uh, on the basis of sex Army Hammer's character so uh, Felicity what's her Jones. name thank you Felicity Jones plays Ruth Bader Ginsburg and it's all about her legal career and how she becomes a Supreme Court judge well I'm very very interested in the American legal system because you're a legal legal yourself and I like politics and I, and I do think that it's well and America controls the world I still always think that yeah. so American politics has much more control than it really should have mm. but she is one of the left wing democratic Supreme Court judges oh. and she's now in her 80s or she's 80 I want yeah. to say and so and everyone is very worried about if she dies it's a life appointment it is yeah but what would happen because it's already now because of Kavanaugh it's already skewing yeah. so this film is very pertinent but the point I'm trying to make is that um I think there is a there is a sea change here and I think rage is part of the um part of the new horizon which mm. is that male critics or, or anyone who's of a male persuasion who has benefited from that privilege watches these films so what will watch on the basis of sex and be like army harriman's character doesn't seem to be doing that much although i've heard i haven't seen it yet i've, yeah. I've heard that he actually does more than a, a female a wife would would ever do sure. but it's like that's because he is the supporting character Ooh, and it's, it's, it's not his story it's more and more important now to make sure that your supporting characters have their own story but that they are men and that you move your gaze towards those so so going back to to your point i think that the first step along the line of getting new stories out there which show all the nuance in female emotion and female performance mm. is for men to say this doesn't ring true because yeah. as you said what they're really saying is I've never experienced this yes. and I can't imagine this happening to anyone because guess what I'm a man and I live in a patriarchy which is always working towards me not having to be quiet or have my yeah. rage bubbling under yeah. so that was my very long winded point about how I do think that these are interesting reviews mm. and that it's the it's first good to see step. Yeah. It's the first step because then you can just counter it with, uh, yeah, yeah, that's me my whole life. It's <laughs> quite a reason. valuable conversation <laughs> to have because you see what someone else thinks. And it is, like I say, it's possible that a woman would come to draw that conclusion herself. Um, not saying it's, you know, not, but I would be surprised. I oh, would, I've seen plenty of think, characters you know, where I've said that doesn't ring true and yeah. they're a woman or a, or a man so it's yeah. it's not negating your opinion based on your gender but no, it is no. funny when, when we can see yeah. yes i really recognize the point that. of view yeah, yeah. and the, and the microaggressions like there's one scene in which uh he t uh, so they're at this this you know the you know the premise the, the, the husband wins a big the nobel prize for literature. Yes. so they go to sweden and he's doing the rounds introducing his wife and they're clearly not interested in her at all and I see he, I think that's in the trailer yeah it's, it's, it's some, quite some a prominent scene yeah. and it's such a small but yet massive moment like in another film it wouldn't re you even register but in this film it's like this this big clanging moment where a guy turns around 
and he's like, nice to meet you, Jean. And she turns around and says, it's Joan. And just walks away. And I just thought, oh, wow. You, you know, and I'm someone who gets people's names wrong all of the time. But it's still that thing of he wasn't really listening. He wasn't paying attention. You know, he didn't. it wasn't a massive group. It would have been very easy for him to have said the right name. And, yes. and just the way she kind of... And she just kind of walked off in this slightly coolly resigned, like, this has happened thousand times yeah. in my I'm husband's career yeah. yeah and and it's just does she ever um without r- like revealing too much about the plot does she ever go mental at him at any point where it or is do- the whole it, point that it's it does no it, it does come to a head but what's interesting is the way it comes to a head is more that it is in, she's basically needled at by a third party someone basically pokes the nest right uh, as it were and is it a woman? She's, no, it's not. It's a man. Oh, it's and it's, man. It's, it's very sleazy Christian Slater. Oh, is it Christian Slater? <laughs> He's brilliantly oily in it. Um, and then, Oh, he can do that, though, and he I does, think. And they, and they have this conversation that basically busts things open. Oh. And, you know, and so all of her rage has been there. It's been contained, and it's not like, oh, it's only come to the surface because of this man. But sometimes it does. It is almost just like, this is the last straw, right? I've just, you know, I've put up with it I've suppressed you know it's so much is about what's been suppressed and it sounds as if it has to be them at, it has to be her at that age it's yeah. designed because she, you wouldn't be able to have the years and years of the oppression and the rage bubbling under if you had a 25 year old newly married woman going exactly. through this exactly yeah it wouldn't have worked and also so it worked because of her age but it also worked because of the time so the, the present day in the film is actually the 1990s because I kept thinking why are they smoking indoors and I was like why is this <laughs> hair so bad I, I really didn't enjoy Max Irons in this film sorry Max Irons his hair's awful which is not nothing to do with he's that got great thing. eyebrows if I remember he's right got quite a strong brow yeah. yeah like I think I think it was the cat I found the character really just a pain in the arse yeah. and I didn't enjoy watching him but anyway does it pass the Vokedale test you've mentioned mm. three guys oh. it's Jonathan Price isn't it Jonathan, well husband. it's a small cast I, let me think well, but to be honest two, we, probably it, it, barely but she talks to her daughter Oh, she has a daughter. She has a daughter. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a daughter. Um, well, but what, uh, I'm going off topic now, so I'm just listening no, no. who's in it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, because you need to say that in order to say... We're giving you the context. But yeah, yeah so she's basically what's interesting. Because, so it's set so the 90s, but then it go, it flashes back to the uh, early ni- the late 1950s, early 1960s. So the con- that's another reason why it's why her actions are so believable, because it's the way she's treated as a woman. Mm. Um, and you think... You think it's not easy, you know, to get published as, or to do anything creative as a woman now in 2018. Yes. Imagine trying to do that as an unknown in 1958 or yeah. 1964, whenever, you know. So it actually made perfect sense. So it was really interesting. It was very elegant. Does in actually uh, the um, the actor who plays her, the young version of herself, is her daughter, a real life daughter. Oh, really? And it's, yeah, which is really nicely done. You can see the resemblance, and it works really well. So it's quite, it's quite an elegant film. You know, it is quite a quiet film. It's not, um, you know, not, not like a huge amount happens. It, but it is really all about that emotion, and that's what I love. And also, like a great to see that you know it cuts across generations. And what I've noticed with these kind of new kind of films that it's not like the film is about rage but it's what bubbles under the surface or what it underpins some of these female characters and it just gives you a more 3d person who is 
flawed and who is vulnerable as well as angry. It's not they aren't the sum of their emotions. I guess no. is what I'm trying to say. Which, which is in the past, the archetype was wrapped up in in what the emotion was and with no real context behind it. When you were a, as a woman in previous films, you weren't allowed to have rage. Part of the part of the whole concept of being angry it's about oppression Mm -hmm. and so not being able to have a voice if anything would create more rage and then again you cannot say it and and so now I think that that's why that's where because I think we we glossed over fatal attraction a bit because and and I totally understand that like you know Glenn Close is now responsible for creating two very different characters Mm -hmm. with different experiences of deep-rooted anger but um, I think that Fatal Attraction is now more fondly viewed. If you look at it, look again at it these days, I think there's think? a lot more sympathy for her character, who I want to say is called Annie. Alex. Alex. Yeah. There's more sympathy for Alex because of the things that she has been going through in her life in that film and the way that Michael Douglas's character treats her. Yeah. And I think that Fate Attraction, if you remade it now, which is probably going to happen now I've said it, um, I think it wouldn't be nearly as shocking, which yeah. again is a sign of progress for yeah. me because I still think that even... She's not. She's not a cipher, actually. The wife is definitely. Yeah, no, I didn't think she was. No, 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 no. I I was working it through in my head. Um, But the character is is a little bit one note, particularly as it goes Mm. on and on and on in the film. Um, And she, you know, she goes to crazy quite quickly, doesn't she? Yeah. She's spurned. She's a spurned woman, and then she goes to crazy quite quickly. But that's the cut that we see. We have no idea. There's probably loads of stuff in there. We have another thirty minutes. Yeah. There's there's loads of exposition, which I think Glenn Close has talked about. You know, she's like, there's loads of stuff that you know, trauma and a past, you know, abuse. All that stuff just didn't make it into the film. No. And people aren't necessarily interested. Well, it's, you know, it audience screens. And in an 80s film, that's, they, were, they weren't in it. So I don't think yeah. we can just blame the makers of that film. That well, was the we industry can, We can blame the audience time. as well. Yes. Because it was the audience that had the final say. The audience were, were including women, by the way, mm. were, were actually shouting, kill the bitch. Like, they were actually... And in that scare, Which is so that's terrifying. That's... People like to see um, a woman punished. And in mm. life, not just in film. Mm. Um... And I can almost hear audible eye rolls. Was but saying something that, but it's so true. ironic well, about women shouting at the screen, "Kill the bitch!" Yeah, it's not easy being your son. Oh Joe. come on, it's not easy being anyone's son. You could act a little prouder of him. Or he could work a little harder. We wouldn't be doing the kid any favor telling him he's brilliant. I think he has talent. Yeah, well, you should tell him. Doesn't mean anything coming from me. He has to hear it from you. You shouldn't leave my approval to write. Everyone needs approval, Joe. People, women still do it to one another now. Well, look at, you know, look at, um, it's the most obvious example, like Trump and Clinton, the, you know, the nasty woman thing, you know, yeah. you're an angry woman, a nasty woman. It's a very easy way to try and shut a woman up is to, yeah. to, to use anger label or her. label. Yeah. In, and I read something again recently when I was researching my piece and it was about how, um, in fact, it was Gillian Flynn was talking about how anger is still, you know, although we're seeing all this rage on screen and, and, you know, people are starting to respond to it well it's still like in the workplace it's a problem like not that you should be raging in the workplace but the idea that you you know 
professionally, if you're seen as a difficult mm-hmm. woman, that is like career suicide for you. That's mm-hmm. a career no-no. But yet a man being labeled difficult, they're a genius. They're a, you know, when you yeah. look at, just look at the ego of famous, you know, anyone that we talk about as a master director, not great as human beings, no. really. Um, you know, and I'm sure there are some monstrously egotistical female directors too. I'm, I, I dare say there are. But they probably aren't allowed to show it. But no, it has to be more hidden. I think that that might be the whole Catherine Hardwick story. I thought is that there were all these rumours going around that she was difficult to work with, even mm. though Twilight was this raging success and she and made loads made of 13. money. Yeah. yeah, and then suddenly she doesn't get any more. And yeah. that I just remember reading so much, and it, it was it was awful because it was like third or fourth hand hearsay it's the worst possible journalism yeah. and, and I'm not blaming the journalists I'm just saying it was because it was created by the industry yeah. where people were saying she was difficult she was awkward and we never really know I don't know anyone who's ever said I worked with Catherine Hardwick and she was horrible but you hear someone say someone said a producer yeah. told someone else that we can't work with her anymore and, and it comes down to the decision maker <laughs> Like, who, um, you know, whoever was like, whoever decides uh, this, this woman's under, and it probably wasn't even crew members, it was probably like an exec somewhere. No, it's was a like, way you know, to get her off the film. Yeah, to she's get difficult. Someone else yeah, to make we it. Wa- we, yeah, we yeah. want to get whoever we want to get yeah. in to make the film. And it's true, and it's not just in the film world, it's in the corporate world, it's everywhere. If you're known as, you know, people will say, oh, you're a bit feisty, aren't you? Or you're a bit this. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of. Um, you know, I've, I've had that. I've had people say, oh, you're quite feisty for someone so small. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I mean, that it came from, I think that came from Shakespeare originally. Like, she'd be small, she'd be feisty or something like that. I'm like, yeah, all right, mate. There's no need for that. And it's just like ridiculous. I mean, I'm freelance now and I mainly work from home. So if so anyone saying that to me, it would be quite strange. But <laughs> <laughs> just looking in the mirror, shouting Well, maybe myself. if you haven't spoken to someone in a couple of days. Yeah, I kind of have a slight like, taxi driver moment in the mirror <laughs> where I just yell at myself. Um, someone called me shrill. I will never forget Shrill. it. I will never oh, wow. forget it. And at that very moment, I was raising my voice and I was defending myself because I was being mocked. And it was all, you know, in good nature, as they say. Mm. Oh, it's just banter. But, it's just banter. Yeah. Take a joke. And then I was like, wow. And that shut me up. Not because, like, in the way that he intended, because I was like... I don't think I've ever heard anything so offensive. Shrill. You don't. You would never call a man shrill. No, it, it, this is the thing. You would never call a man shrill. You'd never call a man bossy. You would yep. never call. You know, it's I had those, that at school. Those yep. things. Yeah, shrill. Well, there's Lindy Westwood. Book called Shrill. I think it's being made into a TV series with Aidy Bryant. Is it called being shrill? And it's just called shrill. Shrill. The, name, the title is shrill. Lindy West is a uh, really take it interesting. Back. I'm quite writer. happy. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you. I, but I was just. I, I, you just made me think of that. But, but, but actually, I think that's what I love about some of the um, kind of newer stuff that's coming out. People do reclaim the use of certain words. Well, we're trying to take cunt back, aren't we? So yeah. Don't I take just our don't cunts like away. As a word, <laughs> I used to hate I it. I keep but, trying um, to say it until I, yeah. it's okay. I, I hated it. And then I started watching loads of Kirby Enthusiasm and then I found it hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and now I really like it. Sorry, Mum. So I think we'll take Shrill back. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. I don't know I'm apologizing. Proud to mom. be shrill. Proud to be shrill. And use the word cunt. And use the word Okay, so yeah. once upon a time in this conversation, you mentioned Gillian Flynn. I did. I thought, right, let's do a uh, transition into 
discussing sharp objects. Okay. Um, because I think that if there was ever something for me personally that personified this new age of rage, it is that show. Absolutely. I read the book. Um, I think I picked it up at an airport, mm. and I it was art. I think it was after I read Gone Girl. It must have been. But I... I don't know if it was now. Now I'm thinking. Anyway, so um, I picked it up at an airport. I remember I had this beautiful black cover with blue swirls on it. Because I had all the, these versions of all of Gillian Flynn's books. Yeah. And it was only... Have you read the book? I've got the book. I haven't actually oh, read, haven't it. read it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very close to the adaptation. Okay. More cl- closer than most things I've mm. seen adapted that I've read. Um, and I took it on holiday and I could not put it down it's a perfectly encapsulated story and I'm willing to say that I think it's better than Gone Girl because Gone Girl has the best conceit Mm. but it's a very long book okay yeah Gone Girl the book book is still better than the film but the film isn't bad no No, offence to David Fincher but by compared to Sharp Objects it feels a bit B-movie-ish almost it's a lot more schlocky than um, and I think the book is like that but I just it was a page turner so I'll then go on and say that um, Jean Marvelet's adaptation for the TV series is better than Gillian Flynn's book but she adapted her book for the for sharp objects yes yeah for both for both I think and for, she, for Gone Girl she did as well but yeah. sorry I, I'm saying Gone Girl book is brilliant but too long I think sharp objects is a better concise story yeah I think Gone Girl the book is better than Gone Girl the film and I think sharp objects the TV series is better than sharp objects the book oh, and really? I'm very happy to hear that Gillian Flynn works on the adaptations as well yeah because I'm as a writer you always want to go back and have another go especially yeah. if it's in another medium yeah and i think she's still from reading interviews with her she still sees she's still first and foremost a novelist not a screenwriter but she's a very good screenwriter and i know she's not the only writer on uh, i think there's a team of screenwriters on sharp objects and i think there's about there must be a writer yeah i think it's writers but i guess she's like the head writer i'm saying i should know this but i think i think well and there's some basis on her bring her being brought up and not as in what happened to her but she under wind is she from that she i think yeah. she's from the, yeah because it's Windgaps both missouri is a hilarious name and for that's place. the whole yeah and that's the whole thing about gone girl as well it's also set, set in, in missouri and that's because that's it's that whole dilapidated feels like time and progress has forgotten yeah it's southern gothic it's yes what it, you know what it feels like it's all it's got yeah. a lot of those southern gothic hallmarks that you know from tennessee williams onwards you know mm. like you say it's somewhere almost like it's that old it's the old american south where they still celebrate you know these weird pageant and have that weird calhoun day which is weirdly celebrating the the american civil war in a way that is just utterly bizarre makes me feel very uncomfortable so uncomfortable so it's yeah it's just problematic is underplaying it really in so many ways Mm. from a you know from a race point of view and from a sexual politics just from an every point of view well one thing we've done already with this podcast and i'm hyper aware of it but I, i don't seem to be able to solve it is that we haven't spoken about anyone of color yeah, we've just been speaking about white women, and I spend a lot of time slagging off the patriarchy, but yeah. I'm also working on my own privilege. So I think that we've, we've talked about this off mic, that yeah. we're going to talk about, we're going to try and be as wide we, as possible. We've got other people to talk about. Yes, yet exactly, well. because the one of the points about Sharp Objects, which you were alluding to, I think, yeah. is how the the black characters in it are sidelined and are only see. It's very much from, if we're talking about female male gaze it's a female gaze but it's a privileged white southern gothic female gaze where black characters are are not seen and i can you know and this is you know i 
cannot speak from this position, but I, I feel like Valet is giving us a very good insight into what, what these people are thinking and how it must be to be a person of colour in those areas because I noticed it and I felt incredibly uncomfortable about that in a series where everything makes you feel everything makes you almost itch because it's so uncomfortable yes but then yeah but then you flip and you see a something also set in the south which is Atlanta which is yeah you know obviously completely different yeah and but that's what happens when you have um you know black screenwriters directors yeah and that's and that's kind of and it is a black story it's a black story yeah Yeah. um I just wish they'd give Van a bit more to do in series two because I love her and you know there aren't that many female characters in in, uh, Atlanta but Atlanta is fantastic and I could riff all day about Atlanta because it is fantastic there's not enough rage in it though so we can't talk about it sorry they're too chilled well not not female rage yes Glover's rage yeah his character's rage he's just always yeah. being screwed over in some yes. way and and he but even then he doesn't I haven't but he's seen a sort of episodes, his, he's sort he of his own worst enemy people out. <laughs> uh, yeah he tries to punch someone and it just yeah. doesn't go well oh and uh, oh you no, you can't do that anyway i'm going off on the on the atlanta well, well, the, the, but that's the the area yes yeah, so but it's, but sharp it's objects sharp objects yes yeah, so um but actually if we're talking about if we Park sharp objects for a second and talk about Gillian Flynn's other work, which was Widows. Mm-hmm. If you look at that, it's a much more intersectional yes. piece of work, and that is because she co-wrote it with Stephen McQueen as yeah. well. So he was directing. That I think it was so a dream. black English male director, white Southern American, American writer. writer yeah. It's a nice mix and a crime and, writer as well, and so making remaking a eighties British TV British series users, yeah. into an American film. It's and, uh, yeah. It's the best kind of remake. It's the best kind of remake. And yeah. Viola Davis, uh, you know, is she full of rage? She's so full of rage, and she steals that film. Like she is rage. Like, and what I love about it is really ultimately, yes, it's a heist film, but it's really about survival, mm-hmm. and not only survival, but taking back something that was stolen from you. Like every single one of the widows, and the others are not as well developed, I have to say, as Viola Davis's character. Veronica, she's definitely the most. She's the. She's basically the glue that holds it all together. Right. The others are good. They're very, very good, but they make quite a lot out of smaller roles. Particularly Michelle Rodriguez, I think, gets a little bit. Um, well, I didn't know she was in it. She but is. But then in there it. are a lot of people um, on the poster. Even you always. It's think, a big cast. Yeah. It is a big cast, and it actually, um, yeah, and Daniel Kaluuya is very good in it. As he's, um, he's really nasty mm. it's terrifying isn't it? um but the women are so good because they're all very different to one another and in fact um there is oh, I can't, um the one character and the way she's introduced is so brilliant like the way you, the way she just runs into shot you're is like is it elizabeth debicki no, no it's cynthia and i can't oh uh, uh, Arivo, uh is it Arivo? Arivo? yes, yes. Brilliant. I was really excited to see what she does next. I think she's also she's in, in Bad Times at the Royale, which yes, I, I cannot wait to see. Yes, I and she sings in it. Oh, does she? Well, yeah. she's brilliant. This she yeah. has. I mean, she has the speed of an Olympian in this film, and <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you know. And this is before we really know how important her role is going to be. Okay. And I just love that as a character introduction that she just runs into shot like lightning speed and I mean it's not really a spoiler I'm just talking about something no I like it Um, it's something to watch out for she is incredible and she's not you know you know she doesn't have as much screen time you know she comes into it sort of fairly late so she's not actually one of the widows um but she's very you know she's very fascinating to watch and her dynamic with the others they're all very different women which is what I like they're not they're not playing a type and also they're not um it's not you know and usually when you see kind of 
crime boss wives or you know um the wives of it they're very they are ciphers really they're like oh look at the gangster's mole or you know they look they always feel very quaffed they have yes. they have big Poofy hair on. sharp nails <laughs> i mean although actually cynthia Rima's character has the most ridiculous long nails which would be fine but she puts on a pair of boxing gloves and i was just oh, thinking ow i yeah. hope she took those off because how like and so i was actually making yeah life. i was just have like, you um pissed. seen true detective season two no i heard it was rubbish so well I didn't watch it, it. I, i'm one of the few people that doesn't believe it was rubbish it just wasn't true detective season one there are very few female characters in true detective season two there mm. is obviously rachel mcadams she's like the main okay. character i don't know anything she's about a, it well i think it's brilliant and we're going off the subject she doesn't really have any rage so it doesn't really go with this but i just wanted to say kelly riley plays vince vaughn's wife and he's like a gangster and she's a gangster's wife and she has so little to do she is the ultimate cipher oh, really? of a gangster's wife she just looks beautiful all the way through it and but she does nothing so yeah. anyway but widows so so widows, are there yeah. different so uh, are there different forms of anger because i think oh, we completely. can say that the plot begins with the the death of the yeah it's called husbands. widow so it's not a spoiler yeah. <laughs> to say well they don't get widowed unless somebody dies that's yeah. kind of how is their husband yeah that yeah. would sort of have to happen yeah in order for it to make sense so it's my favourite fridging. What is it's killing, killing all the husbands in widows? Oh, I know. And yep. you really don't see that much <laughs> of them. You they, they they actually the men are sort of ciphers in a in a weird sort of way. They're not that well. That's developed. another one to add to and my actually, on the basis. And of they're sex. not interesting to watch most of the time. Yeah. Um, are they ciphers or are they just not the most interesting to watch? Because I maybe think that's a different thing. Possibly, you, I think you, you can't could develop say, every single no, person's character. No, you can't. And, the, and the, 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 you see, you get just enough character development, which really is to reflect on wh- where the women are coming from. Yeah. What one of the things that I you know noted is it's not just that it's you know we're seeing these kind of the female rage perspective in art house films or indie films although there is a a lot more representation there this is a big blockbuster it's one of the biggest films of the year and you know it's a box and it's entertaining you know it's funny it's It's scary it's a heist heist movie it's a thriller it has all those elements but it makes some quite interesting points and you can you can park the socio-political stuff if you want Hmm. but it's right there and it's not apologetic for it and all of the most of the characters are very well fleshed out certainly the women Mm -hmm. and that's what I love you can't so basically it pours cold water all over well people just won't watch a film if you know you get too political or people won't watch a film if this that and the other it's like people People won't watch a film with angry women doing things in the lead yeah I think they don't well they think because anger is seen as an unattractive quality but I think it's because of we've been spoon-fed a version of what anger looks like like they're they're happy to watch it if she gets her comeuppance you know for behaving badly or fatal attraction or or she's there to be laughed at in a way like serial mom or to, to joan crawford um and joan crawford knew that and she didn't exactly like it but it was the only way she could get any work at that point in her career um you know and to go and actually even if you look earlier in her career mildred pierce there's a lot of anger there but it's kind of is a quiet there's a pragmatism to it she doesn't explode into rage in the way she does in straight jacket but she is there is anger you know she's been given a pretty raw deal by the men in her life um and you know and a really horrible ungrateful daughter as well so actually mildred pierce was actually quite in in some ways quite progressive in that way because she's a female entrepreneur have you seen the Kate Winslet No, I haven't. Version? Is it good? It is good. And um, Evan Rachel Wood, I think, is her daughter. Yes. Um, and that's a brilliant pairing. Mm. It's probably not as good as 
the original and also so it's a long series like it took me some time to get through yeah. I, I can't remember how long it is three three hours of I can't remember I just remember thinking wow this is long because I think it's Todd Haynes yes, so it's it Todd is Haynes. yeah it is yeah. Yeah. so that's a whole different thing because it has the, definitely has the Todd Haynes like depressive side mm. that's more about I would say repression and depression than it is about yeah. rage now all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast the notebook says five million dollars that's exactly the amount of money Mulligan was accused of taking in commission kickbacks. So over here we have two million dollars. Twenty Tupperware boxes. Each box has a hundred thousand dollars in hundred dollar bills. It weighs forty four pounds. Now over here we have two million dollars. Forty Tupperware boxes. Each box has fifty thousand dollars in fifty dollar bills. It weighs eighty eight pounds. I feel like I'm in school. Tell me about it. We got to start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not going to be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. So, okay, so, so far we have Faith's Attraction comeuppance, crazy person wielding yes. knife, killing bunnies, trying to kill wives. Yeah. Rage in the kind of the most madness sense. In the extreme, yes. yes. Rage, blind, blind rage. Blind rage, blind yeah. fury, yes. yes. And also, and, and yeah, and often, obviously Fatal Attraction, she was younger then, but, the, you know, certainly with the Joan Crawford film that I mentioned and, mm-hmm. and f- the films around hagsploitation, just the name, you can tell they're older women. God. It's not, they're not young. And Psycho Who Biddies, named it hagsploitation? I can't because remember. Because I can't ima- that, imagine that being a woman. No, no, yeah. <laughs> being called shrill was one thing. If one day someone calls me a hag, I think I might mm. throw in the down. Yeah, hagsploitation. Oof, that's harsh. I don't, know whether, I don't know whether it was a critic or yeah. where it came from, but it was used to sell films and it worked. Yes. And, and then I think the Psycho Biddy... Was it Psycho Biddy? I think that's what they were called. So the women of yes. the Hagsploitation films were also... It's not enough to be called a hag. You're also a Psycho Biddy. The vernacular of rage and women... The vernacular of rage. fascinating. It is fascinating. And, and sometimes funny. Saddening. And depressing. <laughs> it's, fun, it's funny, but, you, but it's funny in a way you're like, that's hilariously depressing but it is it, I mean it's, it is it's a clever portmanteau but it's depressing because you're like that would never happen again it would yes. never happen to a man okay so exploitation and the old biddy rage yeah. which is more I would say calculating and it's more about like getting ca- one it's over caricature. it's really yes. cartoonishly yes, rendered cartoony. It's, it's not you know it's played yeah. it's played it's like turned Wiley up to 11 Coyote, yeah it's almost, almost like Wiley Coyote yeah. but if a woman was Wiley Coyote she'd, yes. be, uh, in, she'd be one of those Willa Coyote I keep doing this I just make every every male name for everything yes. a female name Willa Coyote okay and then we have the wife and we have uh, bubbling under the surface shown and to some extent it sounds like Viola Di- Davis in Widows mm. is, is a kind of mixture between the two because she can she go has, off she when can. she wants to but yeah. there is this constant feeling of repression of emotion because I think mm. with Viola Davis it's not just rage I think it's just it's she's grief like, as well. she is a yeah yeah in, it's in grief, Widows it's trauma, but yeah. I mean every performance she does I've only ever seen her in that so oh, yeah, yeah doubt um, fences um, oh god uh, you haven't seen How to Get Away with Murder nope. she, that is her presence that makes it sound like I don't think she's acting I just think she's constantly looking at you 
through the the TV and saying, "I've got so much more I could give." Well, <laughs> she's I'm giving a lot. To. Yeah, she's giving a lot, and that, yeah. and that's really fascinating. Um, Regina yeah. King is another one. Oh, Regina King is another yes. one who can do that. She can, although she makes me cry. I don't know whether rage. She does have rage, but it's more uh, like love for her children she, or she something. She does. Have you seen Seven Seconds? So no. So Seven Seconds is a Netflix series. Actually, that's a really good shout. Um, mm. If if I was doing so, the piece I'm doing is more about film than it is about TV. But okay. actually, I think there's there's more intersectionality on TV oh you can in also general. you can tell a story about you've got longer emotion. to tell, you've got longer yes. to develop so yeah so I would say seven seconds is it got some middling reviews and I'd say stick with it it's a little bit patchy as a series it kind of lays on How the melodrama long is it I think it's like a ten-parter, something like that. And are and they they're, an hour they're pretty long. Forty to yeah. An hour I watched it yeah. when I was. I just binge watched it when I was ill. Yes. Um, but I have to say, the reason I hung on is because she was incredible. Like she is that. Not that she's incredible in everything. She's not. How good is she in it? Did, did you see if Bill, Bill Street yes. could talk? Yeah. I it with I you. Could, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was you who was sitting next to me because, to be honest, I saw nothing else but that screen. No, and that's fine. <laughs> that's as it should be. She's not um, in it very much. But she's in, not. But, but what her, she does in actually, that. she's she's in it a bit because she has the whole um, uh, Cuba part. As yes, well, she, yeah, she does. In that film, she just in a film that's full of good performances her yeah. she has some rage she does have there's, some there's, rage there's some cunt in that film if I remember rightly some, yes she does she says the word I think, I think her daughter says that actually I don't know oh is it her. not her but in that row that row was one of the best that things I've seen this year it's also interesting because what you also don't necessarily get to see particularly when it's a non-white family is that there are differences in class because yes there, there seems to be some you don't see um, there's some hierarchical there's some hierarchical the way they dress, the way they like, either they yeah. think that they are cut above, as it were, as people yes. say, or they are a bit more middle class than than uh, Regina yeah. King's family. There's a squaring up of There's my child is better than your child. My yeah. family is. They better. for whatever yeah. reason, and it might be a religious thing because mm. she's the 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 um, other woman uh, the. Um, it probably makes no sense to know what people haven't seen. No, please go and see, see if, Bill if Bill Street, Street could talk, talk when, when, it, when out. it's out. It's not even out yet. It'll yeah. be out quite soon, yeah. and it is brilliant. But basically, you have these two. It's almost like the. Um, it's almost like Shakespearean in that you have yes. young lovers and two families, and something has gone. It on. is actually. It's like Romeo yeah, and Juliet. Yeah. I've has, just realised it has that. that. It has yeah. that kind of. I didn't even beat think to it. Just for that part of the story. Just for that part of the story. Yeah. In, in in other ways, it's not like that. But. Yeah. Um, in, in the, there are those early scenes where the two families are together you get a sense of they're very different fa- the family dynamic is very different and I am willing it's interesting to... and the two mother the two matriarchs because again the, the, they, they feel like more, they are quite a sort of matriarchal household in a way but yes. maybe not but no, they're no, certainly no, a very no, strong presence yes. in the house no I think you're right and, and, they, and they are the ones that are kind of for pushing things forward certainly emotionally and it's it, and and to see the two mums square up, yeah. uh, there's definitely rage there on both sides, actually. But the the um, the, the, the young boy's mum, whose name I can't remember, because her character's not in it as much as, yeah. as you, it's more from the point of view of Regina King's yes. character. Um, she is she's angry too, but it comes out as kind of pious rage. Like yes. I'm well, she's very you, religious. I'm slapping you down yeah. with the, with 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 Bible passages. I'm I'm uh, you know morally you're just out of control your family has no values basically is what is the subtext of what she's telling regina king's character and regina king's character basically tells her where to get off so i think we should talk about um 
more, um, like things, TV adaptations that have come out this year. Well, actually, mm-hmm. um, uh, and film as well, because we've talked about quite a few things. So mm-hmm. I wanted to quickly circle back to Sharp Objects because I think it's really important to talk about three different characters mm-hmm. that where you have um, uh, Amy Adams Camille, who is a woman probably in her late 30s, yes. who suffered abuse when she was younger and comes back to her hometown um, and is forced under the repressive rule of her mother, played by Patricia Clarkson, uh, who's called uh, Dora, and then her younger sister, uh, Emma. Emma. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a while now. So Emma, who um, oh, I've forgotten the actress's name, but she's amazing. Who plays a fourteen-year-old younger sister. Yeah. So um, I don't want to give too much away. People haven't seen Sharp Objects, and I could definitely speak for like three hours just about how much I love the show, Same. how evocative it is. Yeah. But what I really wanted to bring to this conversation was. Um, kind of praise for Gillian Flynn and Jean-Marc Vallée for creating this story and three actresses in showing three age ranges and three different types of rage because Mm. we are and again I don't want to reveal too much it's quite hard not to do this without spoiler alert so forgive me if this is spoilers and you have characters who are capable of very heinous crimes are yeah. capable of lying violent, very violent, violent rageful yeah. crimes yeah so i think that's that's something that you don't always see and um, you also have um the the anger that they feel comes out in different ways yeah with um adora there is a level of control i think that's her that's her way of of she obviously had a bad upbringing as well. It's vaguely yeah. alluded it, to. It's like the cycle, yeah, the cycle of abuse yeah. and neglect definitely comes into play, and it seems to manifest itself in very different ways across the, the three women. Mm. With Adora, she is a pillar of the community who everybody loves, mm. but she is using fear and her deep-seated rage to control either the people who work for her pig abattoir business yeah. or the people in the town the local sheriff and her two daughters and her husband so it's very much a matriarchal, She's a matriarchal uh, relationship yeah. with uh, alan her husband um who is very deferential to her and then uh you have amma who is a hormone-filled teenager and probably a little bit tropey in the sense that, that is where you probably could get your rage in a kind of normally in like a horror film where yeah. you, you could have um, you know, this woman on the cusp of adulthood who doesn't know what to do with all of these emotions and can channel them negatively. Yeah, but actually, Amma's almost, in a way, the most fascinating of the three because, well, they all are fascinating in different yeah. ways, but they're almost three generations. So although Camille and Amma are actually sisters or half-sisters, Camille, they have a close, more like a sort of mother-daughter bond. Yeah. Like she's the, probably 15 years older than oh, her. Oh, uh, more, I'd yeah. say. Or maybe more, actually. Like, maybe I, 20. It was, it was bugging me, like, what the what age the difference age was. was. Yeah. Like, no. Well, because Amy Adams is in her 40s. She's in her early 40s, but yeah. I think the character is probably about 10 years younger. So, yeah, yeah so you're at least 15 years, say, yeah. between them, 15, 16 years. So, yeah, they have a closer bond uh, than you... Well, or it, not even close, because it it's, like... There is a kind of fear there between them. It's it's a strange. It's a very strange dynamic, and it goes to some quite strange places. But I can see my joy. No, but Amma, drugs are involved. Uh, drugs are involved. <laughs> Amma's rage, though, isn't 
you don't actually you don't actually see we never really see it's, it. it's hinted at yeah. but actually there's something cre- it's, there's a creepiness to her because she what she's manipulative i think she has almost a sociopathic yes way of behaving yeah. with she's your camille. Textbook yeah with camille it's it's written it's literally written on her so she um, yes she carries so the story and she carries yes. the story of what has happened in her life on her all over her body yes um, and, and I guess the total sharp objects kind of gives that gives gives you a clue that something like that is going to happen that she, she self harms as a coping mechanism. So trauma and, and mental health obviously play a big part in everyone's story in sharp objects, and actually some of the supporting characters too. And and actually what I like is that even outside of the core three, some supporting characters will talk about things like you know women not being believed and they hint at the rage that's what i like about it it doesn't always have to be expository it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. explosive it can be in it's in the microaggressions it's in small moments it's it's in the steady build-up it's this stuff can take years to come to the surface and and with amma the younger character she's grown up in this toxic environment with this bizarre lifestyle because she's she's kind of weirdly infantilized but she plays up to this she's almost like a sort of sounds awful but she's almost like this she's very hyper aware of her own sexuality Mm. at at such a young age Mm. like she's very confident but at the same time she when she's at home she dresses in almost little girl like Mm. doll she dresses like a doll and it's creepy Mm. and she has a doll's house like for a child you'd think she dresses and acts like a child much younger than her years but then when she's out with her friends she seems much older than she is so she's almost you know she's almost got two sides to her character i always like that uh, quote from oscar wilde which is everything's about sex i think it's about actually maybe it's not oscar wilde let's say it's oscar wilde yeah. everything is about sex except for sex which is about power yeah and i think that amma personifies that because when she's being sexual it's to get something mm. i'm not even sure she feels any sexual feelings or if she does they may be of the gay kind they're not heterosexual she's always trying to get something from the straight white men yeah. around wing gap but actually she might be gay she has very close relationships with her girlfriends and seems yeah. to develop these obsessive bonds or what have you that, that actually aren't even alluded to that much um, within the uh, TV adaptation, but a, a little bit alluded to in the book. Yeah. Um, and she has this, you know, obsessional relationship with Camille, this this older sister who she both looks up to and looks down on, which is yes. crazy. Well, we haven't, yeah, we haven't really talked about Camille. So yes, her um, the the fact that she self harms and she has these words all over her is, is as you said, but her rage. There's a great scene where she just flips out um, when she's forced to change into a dress for yeah. Calhoun Day, and she just she knows that she's going to have to show to Amma her scars because Adora makes her change and wants to watch watch Amma watching her, mm. and she just um, Camille just goes crazy, and that's yeah. the only real time where she lets her rage out, and it's very short. It's just a burst, and then it all comes down again, it, and the yeah. majority of her anger seems to be channeled again in a sexually gratifying way and and it's also i'm it's interesting in the way that rage can be internalized like she seems to be punched she's i don't know if it's too much to say she's nihilistic but i think she is she has this kind of grungy look where she doesn't probably take that great care of her personal hygiene like she's quite she has yeah, this kind so of massive hair yes. she's and she a, spends the whole thing I'm, I've spent the whole thing going she's still wearing the same I think she she's wears still wearing the same, same and I'm like don't you sweat you're in wing gap oh, it's yeah. really humid oh, it's also yeah she kind of looks amazing <laughs> yeah but it, it's the look of someone that just 
she just has nothing left to lose. Like everything. So her rage is against herself. It's against herself and and just not caring about what anyone thinks of her. She almost goads people into mocking her and nothing. You know, insults ping off of her. People going, look at the state of you. She doesn't care about that because also she doesn't care about herself that much. The only person that can really get through to her is her boss, who's sort of a mentor figure to yes. her. And they, because you know, her father is absent in it, and um, and you never f- really find out who no. he is. And it's that's almost not important, uh, apart from one pivotal scene between her and her mother. Yes, that's when that becomes important. But for the re- for the most part, you know. But you clearly, he's like a, you know, the, the closest thing to a mentor she has. Yeah. The closest thing she doesn't have a lot of friends. She's she doesn't some, want. Friends. She doesn't want. That's the thing. She is. It, it, that's why I think she's quite she's nihilistic. Carrying she's carrying around this angry burden which she's internalizing she's internalized she's hurt but herself. actually needs to come out and i yeah. do feel and like she's angry at her mother as well yes but that, yes that builds up it's it's almost like she hasn't she's the coming back to wind gap is almost like another form of self-harm to her because she could have said no to the story and obviously she was she it was basically the conceit she has an assignment to come and investigate a murder yes. as a journalist but you know i liked watching her become more vulnerable when she talks on the phone to her boss because she and that is the other thing you know it's multifaceted that they all have layers of different layers they all have the kind of you know and there's sometimes you're just like that you're like are you like this because you are you know were traumatized or are you just an unpleasant person and it's 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 a mixture you know you can be all of those things you're not this you're you're not the sum of who you are and Mm. that gets challenged as well she kind of gets challenged on some of her behaviors by her love interests um, yes, which I found quite interesting. Um, you oh, know, and it Detective hits a, Dick. Oh yeah, and it, it does hit a few cliched beats along the way, but it's it is in the dynamic, and you, when you see the three women together, mm. it is fascinating because they're all so different. But you you can tell. But there in is ways. a palpable anger and hurt and just emotional roller coaster. Yes. in any interaction, particularly being the three of them, mm. the the scene. Um, in the last episode where they're around the table I don't know if you remember that yes, and I there's do. Some, again there's some drugging and things without giving too much away um, is like the tension in that scene is unbearable yeah, almost it goes on for a long time yeah far too long than it should because going back to your earlier point that's what you that's the point you make when you really want to yes. have a home Steve McQueen or Jean-Marc Vallée are trying to torture they, me they, they, they linger on yeah. Jean-Marc Vallée did Big Little Lies as well didn't yes. he and I think there's a bit of that I mean that's, that's oh all the scenes between Alexander Skarsgård's character and Nicole Kidman's were just yes. like the oh. tension was just wrung out I, I found it's, that so stressful yeah, I couldn't watch all of it no, because of that I, I, it, it was, was too good it was too good and very very upsetting as well and actually we could talk equally well about the rage uh, female rage as well in that that's in the uh, denouement of big little lies yeah and also in certain certain characters as well and also yeah i mean but with going back to sharp objects i suppose it's a slightly more although it does flash back it's slightly more linear in that you know big little lies it kind of all hinges on this central event and then kind of flashes back in that way but sharp objects is about the tension moving it's, it's, on. It's about the tension moving on yeah. and in intercuts sort of flashbacks to the past. Yeah. But also, yeah, you've constantly got this idea of Adora seems to be punishing Camille. She's constantly does she doesn't want her in the house. She's constantly trying to get rid of her. She's constantly um, angry at her for just being there, and she dotes on Emma and lets Emma get away with 
yes. anything she wants yeah. and and you know and and it's and you can kind of see how Emma becomes the, the way transference she is. of uh, negative t- internalized emotions definitely yeah and how they can lead to bouts of rageful awful behavior and yeah and how and how you there are years so there's an incident that i'm not talking about i'm going to talk around if you haven't seen sharp objects but there's an incident that happened within that family before amma was born that hangs over the whole thing and hangs over them but they never re no one ever talks about it in the family mm. and it, and again that plays into that southern and you gothic never, thing you never families find full out. of secrets yes. yes secrets hang over you know and people know about it in the community and there's whispers and there's theories but no one in the actual family Camille and her mother never have a proper discussion about what might have happened and that the reasons for that become very apparent yes. at, by the end but it's and I, and I found that really interesting the way that you know actually what causes anger is lack of answers lack of clarity why won't you t- why didn't you ever tell me this why you know people you know it comes out a lot in you know and always has in films or, in, or just in life you know people feel angry when they feel hard done by or they feel um they've been lied to you know she's grown up not in, camille's grown up having to forge this weird sense of her own identity because she has no idea who she is mm-hmm. because of the way she was raised and because she's basically become an outcast in her family and now you come back here talk about another form of uh, anger now we've yes. mentioned Emma being a sociopath in yes. sharp objects but I think that um, perhaps the most interesting and uh, revelatory performance that I've seen this year is from someone playing an absolute psychopath which is Killing Eve yeah if you haven't seen Killing Eve, then uh, I recommend you seeing that. I don't know what to whether to watch that first or Sharp Objects. Um, I've never watched anything like it because it's obviously uh, written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yep. uh, who is um, uh, British, and it's an and it still has this very British sensibility, as, particularly in terms of its and it's very funny, it's hilarious, it's weird, and but, scary, but it's, and yeah, it's almost like a new genre like, because it's not a horror comedy. No, I don't know what it is. Psycho thriller comedy. I, I don't it is a hybrid. I'd say yeah. it. Well, that, that's what I love about it. It subverts genre, and I think yes. actually, rage yes, maybe I shouldn't like be it. trying to do that well so. it, no I think it's fine because I think it is interesting actually I, I didn't think about what genre it was not just till just then I think it, it I think I guess broadly speaking it's a thriller but well, when so something makes more. me laugh I'm confused because I'm like oh it's a you're trying to, to make a dark comedy laugh. yeah it's a very black comedy a very black comedy but it's it's still serious in its representation Jodie Comer as Villanelle who is the uh, textbook psychopath in mm. this is she's such a revelation because um I've never seen a woman play a character like this I'm sure Neither there must be I. some in the film world 
but I don't she, think there is. Really? Okay. Well, I might be wrong, or it might just be my limited knowledge of female. But I was thinking about this because I nearly, wrote, I was thinking about writing about it, and then I didn't end up mm. mentioning her. But actually, her, she, she totally subverts what we see a female assassins. Even like Kill Bill, for example, like Uma Thurman. You know, everyone is. And it's it's much more cartoonish, I guess, than something like Killing Eve. Even though they both have a sort of graphic novel kind of. There's a lot of point. rage in Kill Bill, though. But That's there's a, a huge, there is a huge amount of rage, and yeah. I do think the bride is one one of Tarantino's better female characters. But yeah. there is still they still plays into that sexy assassin, you know, women yes. women kicking ass, but having very skimpy outfits and 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 you know Villanelle's outfits I mean you could talk about her wardrobe alone but she's not a sum of her looks it's not like she doesn't even really use her sexuality it comes up in occasional she, episodes she, 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 she's, she's not she's, even enjoying it she's not even enjoying it I mean at one point she's just sitting in this incredible apartment in Paris in this enormous pink, pink dress, dress. <laughs> with the colour of Pepto-Bismol and I love it and there's no explanation for it and there's no reason because everyone it became a meme you know it's brilliant yeah. and but well, also she's that, funny it's, she's charming like yeah. She is, it's that weird thing of you almost want to, you know, she, I saw her interviewed on something like Jimmy Fallon and she talked about how she was like, yeah, you could almost imagine going down the pub with her, but you'd obviously watch what you said because she killed you. And it's like, if you're not on her kill list, it is just a job to her and that's how she does, and it is her you psychopathy s- that I suppose allows her to do I don't that. know if it's just a job though, because I don't think she... She wants to go out and do normal things. If it's just a job, she'd go and kill someone and then she, you'd true. see her down the pub. She doesn't know what going down the pub and having a pint really That's involves. True. She sees other people do it, which is the whole... The first scene in that adaptation is so good because it is a villanelle watching this little girly ice cream. Yeah. And you and it is the it's the best way to show what being a psychopath means. She has mm, no yeah. discernible emotions. She That's has true. to copy no empathy. them. She has to copy them in order to... She knows she has to react in a certain way to get a certain mm. action. It's like it's really, you know, I don't know, some kind of supply and demand or cause, cause and effect. It's almost like it's code switching. She knows what she has yeah. to do to pass in the world yeah. in which she has to exist. But actually, that's very true. And the only other place other than when she goes out to do her kills that you really see her is her incredible uh, Paris mm. apartment. And you don't really see her leave the apartment except if she's on a job. And that's probably, and I think she's quite bored. And she well, does things power- to she yeah, does sorry. things to almost to entertain herself. And there is there is some there is almost there are almost moments of slapstick comedy like she puts on this fake beard and stuff to kind of entertain herself to, yes. the, with Constantine the, basically who's her handler. Yes. But he's almost like a kind of dad like like he's quite protective of her. And you know she he they frustrate each other mm-hmm. in a kind but of... But they have a great relationship. Their dynamic is the, wonderful. The yeah. dynamics between the male and female characters in Killing Eve are another thing in itself. Yes. It's got nothing to do with rage. No, no, no. But I just think it's something worth pointing out that you have those two, and that's a really complex relationship, yes. which could be father-daughter, doesn't really have a sexual aspect, but they're they're so drawn to each yes. other. They're obsessed with they're each other. They're weirdly codependent yeah. that you think in a way that you think goes beyond... Yeah. It's their a, job yeah yeah you know. it's definitely a relationship of some form and yeah, then you yeah, have yeah. Sandra O's Eve and David I forget what his name is who plays her Haig David Haig I want to say David Haig I think yeah yes. who plays her co-worker and like they have this wonderful symbiotic relationship yeah. and then it but I think it becomes apparent that he's bisexual at one yes. point or could even in, be gay in it a was very kind of throwaway to, kind of a yes. way yeah you know it, I like the how they've the, dealt with that yeah the way that Killing Eve deals with emotion generally and with something that might be seen as a big deal 
is so throwaway because you have a psychopath who's killing and it means nothing to her and you have people yeah. saying oh yes my wife my younger wife and I were having a baby but actually maybe we like other people but it works for us yeah and then we haven't even got to which what I really want to talk about in Killing Eve is Eve Eve is, yes. the, is the most amazing character yes Villanelle I've just raved about her and we've just been talking about her that we haven't seen it before yeah but I think Eve is even something like the the pinnacle of what it is to be a woman in today's world and the rage you have against the systems yeah. that force you to be who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Watching her unfold, and I, w- I was getting angry <laughs> talking about viewer rage. I-, I didn't understand half the things she did. She did not act in any way that any sane person has ever acted when faced with the things that she is that she's faced yeah with. and she puts other people in danger as well she does she that's the thing she makes some questionable choices that are not just going to affect her they are actually like all right actually other people may die as a result of what you're doing yeah. be very careful what you're doing but she's you can't you can't keep your eyes off her she is fantastic i love and she's very funny as well she i mean it's a very funny program and that is partly de- obviously a lot down to do with Phoebe Waller-Bridge but also Sandra Oh is just a great she's quite deadpan she reminds me a lot of Lily Tomlin actually obviously totally de- not, doesn't look anything like her and and is, is much younger but she it, there's something in her delivery it's something in about the she and also she can show her rage in, in just a look just a kind of pissed off kind of or, or, or like, the bit, or, or, or like she a, can start chucking chuck, champagne chucking, bottles. Yes, she, does, she can. She just yeah. she gets, she'll get she'll take so much, but then she's just like oh, okay, you know. Um, and she's not nice. There's, it's no, she's sort of a pain. The the, the female characters in um, Killing Eve are the most interesting yeah. because one, they may be crazy or doing out of the ordinary things, and two, they're. they're they're just not the nice guy. No, and like, they're not concerned with being nice no. guys at all, which is what yeah. I love. They're not... I, I could imagine if someone just went up to any one of the women in Killing Eve um, and Fiona Shaw's character as she's well. She's so uh, good. She is brilliant. She's great at sort of withering put down. She's just so... Yeah. She's poker-faced, but it, brilliantly so. And and again, just the most random combination. Yeah, this posh English a woman. Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah, do it, yeah, one minute having a dinner party and the next minute talking about contract killing. Yeah, and, I love, yeah. and I, that's the Russian thing I love agents. about it. There's this yeah. beautiful kind of almost like old mannered Britishness in amongst the chaos. Like there is, there is oh, something. Oh, it's like 40 Towers. There is, there is There's a kind of slapstick element. There is, yeah. there is old, there is old oh. kind of sitcom dynamics. Mo- there is kind of buddy Monty movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it is surreal. There's Not so that surreal, many, there's but so many, but this, which is why I think it's been such a big hit because it's, it cuts across, you know, it, people couldn't stop talking about Killing Eve and, and it's so it's so frustrating, it's not prime time and it's still only, technically it's online mm. and yes, it was great because it meant we could binge watch them yeah. I actually found and it I too stressful I, Oh really? No, yeah, I, wa- I watched them all within a week which oh, yeah, I didn't watch strange. them all in a row, it took me three days Yes, it took me, I did it over a week but I was watching like yeah. a two or three, after three episodes I was like, this is a bit intense, I need to just kind yeah, of because like everyone absorb is, it and, and no also one acts so much like is how you think on. they're going to yeah, and I think that is stressful even though we want it we're also passively used to you know it's, it's part of the reasons why rom-com works yeah it's because and, or an action movie or a, yeah. a superhero movie it's because a plus b equals c you know there's a goodie and a baddie yeah. and you fight or you have boy and girl they meet they've yeah, well, they won't. I that. think that, that when you watch it, you can feel quite discombobulated yeah. because nobody is doing things. 
they're, they're seemingly doing things. Yeah. As if, like, it looks like our lives. Certainly for people who live in London, I'd say, big cities. Mm. And then suddenly it's all over Europe and someone's killing someone and someone's walking in out In a really there. nasty way. Yeah. I mean, she has some inventive kills. That's the thing, actually. It doesn't shy away. It's not like you see her burst into a hotel room, you know, pop a cap into someone's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> she revels in and and she plays in her with creativity. She, but she mm-hmm. play, she, that's the thing. It's not the quick kill. She makes it very. You know, they don't. They. You know, she kind of dupes them all, and, and sedu- she kind of seduces them all in a weird way. She does yes. play with her sexuality a lot uh, with with varying people. She toys with people. It's mm-hmm. almost like you know a cat with a mouse. It is that kind of. I'm going to play with you. I'm going to have my fun. Yeah before I wipe you up because it's about her it's not about them and yes. you know she and actually those are incredibly difficult to, and, you, and you see the expression she has you know if looks could kill she has this look oh which yeah is, Jodie Comer is amazing her her face because she um, she has like on the face she has a quite a sweet face so she can blend in with everyone and mm. she's you know quite classically pretty I guess yeah in that way that you know so especially when she's when she's killing a male she has a male target, presence. you know she has a screen yeah. presence, but then she has this icy glare that is just beyond. But it's not your stereotypical like, if looks could kill kind of side eye. It's just something else, and it just changes in a split second. Like mm. and tone, the tonal shifts in that program, like it's it's so hard, to, and it's it's deft directing and deft writing that, as well yeah. as the performances that Absolutely. keep that train rolling. It's worse. When I push it through slowly, don't make me. Are you wearing it? I am going to find the thing you care about. I'm gonna kill it. What I loved about Killing Eve, it almost felt like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. I felt like I could click on any one of those characters and I would want to follow where they're going, mm-hmm. which is almost like a, you know... And But it also has a classic... It also, I guess, actually, as well as being a... a it's a noir as well. It's sort of noir. Yes. It's sort of a, oh, it's a very much noir. noir. But, but, but noir tinged with humour, which is just yeah, crazy. Yeah, but I love that you can, you can do that. Noirs often seem quite silly, but actually, even in, in a film like... I'm going off way on a tangent now, mm. but there's a 1955 French film called A Lift to the Scaffold, and that kind of was said to kind of kick off the French New Wave, and it's a crime thriller, but it has this this whole kind of almost, you know, kind of lightness of touch, almost like a bit like um, Breathless, where it, it's a crime caper, but it's quite light-hearted in most of it, and mm. quite frivolous. Well, it's, it's women and, at, and, the, and at the forefront of it. Yeah, yeah. Jean Moreau's character, she ah. go, walks up, she paces up and down. She's, I mean, the femme fatale, mm. but she's pacing the streets of Paris, you know, and you hear her internal monologue because she doesn't know where her lover is. Un- unbeknownst to her, he's trapped in a lift. They think they've pulled off the perfect murder. That's what it's all about. Oh. Hence the title. Don't tell me anything else. I'm going to watch it now. It's, it's amazing. It's actually coming back there. I showed it at the BFI a few years ago. It's about to, I think, 
think it's coming back on as part of their um, classic season or whatever. So it is a new age of rage. There was there was rage before. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. Well, not I guess the it same. was not quite the same, but and, and not as ubiquitous. But I, I guess that was more of I was referring to that in terms of a to- like tonally, you can have humour and dark, light yes. and dark together. I think works beautifully if it's yes. done the right way. And I think Killing Eve is the perfect example of that. And I just wanted to end by saying Kirby Howell Baptiste is in it as well, and um, she works uh, in. As part of the MI, uh, oh yes, fight, yes, that, yes, or whatever they are, team. Yeah, and she's not. No, she's not utilised enough. She's also in the Good Place at the moment, playing an Australian. It's crazy. I don't like the Good Place. Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah, but I'm just saying, uh, in terms of range. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, it's. I feel like in Killing Eve, every single character has a different set of emotions and a different backstory, and yeah. they're all women, and it all feels like how women really feel even yeah. though it's the most far-fetched setting well, yeah. and plot yeah the, the emotions, concept is far-fetched but the emotions, the emotions are, are not far no not at all and actually yeah it's like i was saying about the, i would i could quite easily have seen her character like because she she's almost like the voice of reason like, yes and i hope that actually in series, in series two, two we see more of her and, and yes. she gets a bit more to play with because she doesn't She's a bit on the outside of things. To be fair, so is the I can't remember even Fiona Shaw's uh, son. I don't character. remember his name. Yeah, he's oh, he's he's not like not the most interesting. But those two are he's very cute. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're both, but I think they're almost like the cute younger ones who are a bit naive as well. I think she's smart, a lot smarter than he is. Yeah. They'll um, definitely develop her, I'm convinced, because she's, she's becoming a success. Yeah, I hope so. And they will so. make the most of them. I hope so. So I'm very excited about where it goes next. Obviously, yeah. that the bar has been set very high, so where they'll go in series two. Who knows, know. but cannot wait for more Killing Eve. And Yes, and the dynamic between the two of them, when when you see them together. Together, yes. So hopefully more of that, but in a logistically we'll sensible we'll way yeah. <laughs> or maybe yeah. not what am I saying Becky Matthews so en- enjoy writing your article Thanks. thank you so much for doing this I hope it's helped yeah. as part of the research where can people find you to talk to you about all of their female rage well don't vent your, vent your rage at me but <laughs> don't, at, <laughs> don't me. at me no you can, you, you can at me <laughs> nice things please um, at, um, I'm um, Beck Bebop Beck B-E-C underscore Bebop on Twitter so you can find me there. Great. On the twitter.com. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Don't punch me. I won't. Or shout. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you to Becky for coming on again and, as usual, telling us about some great films and TV series that I've never seen before. Thank you very much for making it to the end of the episode and listening to all of our rage. The music playing us out and in is... Tumbling Lights by The Acid from the Sharp Objects soundtrack. Remember, you are a volcano. <laughs>